0: Welcome to Syracuse Speaks, The View from the AHL, a Syracuse Crunch-centric podcast. I'm your host, Alex Ackerman. Let's get started. It's March. It is so incredibly hard to believe that we are actually at this point in the season. Right now, as of March 12th, which is when this podcast is being recorded, there is a little bit over a month left to the regular season. And I'm in awe a little bit at how fast this season has gone by, but also how (laughs) slow it has seemed at times. It's always really interesting, the feeling that I get when it comes down to those last two pages of the season ticket holder booklet, which is where we are right now. I just ripped into the second to last page of the season ticket holder book, and that really hits it home for me, that this is the home stretch. The Syracuse Crunch can see the end of the regular season in sight. And what really remains that one big question at this point in time that we're still looking for answers about is whether or not this team is a playoff team, whether or not they're going to make it, whether or not they're going to get very far if they do. And I'm not entirely sure that we have answers yet. I think one of the things that makes me hesitate when it comes to this question is just the simple fact that the Tampa Bay Lightning are also in that same situation. And the Tampa Bay Lightning seem to be breaking players every other game. Right now, Syracuse is facing a challenge where their top defenseman, Darren Radish, is up with the Lightning for what appears to be the foreseeable future. I'm personally personally curious as to whether the team will decide to send Radish down before he hits that waiver threshold and then recall Philip Myers in his place. Regardless of how that works out, if they allow Radish to hit his waiver threshold, if they don't, they did do that paper transaction right before the deadline to ensure that Radish could play in Syracuse for the playoffs, which I did think it was a little strange that that transaction was announced with a press release because in the past, I don't believe there has been an actual press release for for just a simple paper transaction where the player doesn't actually appear in Syracuse to play. It's just basically a formality to place them on a roster by a certain time. And then they're recalled after that certain time hits. In this case, it's like three o'clock in the afternoon on the trade deadline day. So the Lightning put Radish on Syracuse's roster before 3 o'clock, and then after 3 o'clock, actually I think it might have been the next day, but regardless, they recalled him. Gave the Lightning a little bit of cap space relief there and also allowed them to make it so Radish could play in Syracuse for the playoffs should that situation appear. It will be interesting to see what happens. Radish's waiver threshold is probably going to be coming up in I don't know what the next two weeks or so. I believe it's I don't remember specifically right now what it is, but we'll pass we'll we'll cross that bridge when it comes to it. It will be interesting to see what happens. From the crunch perspective, losing radish and or having Myers get recalled and Radish get sent back down is still not exactly a super great scenario. Syracuse's defense has been the team's Achilles heel for a while, longer than this season, but especially this season, it seems like it's been a little tough. And I think that if the goalies can stay healthy and continue to the level of play that we have seen in these past couple of outings, maybe missing a top defenseman won't matter. The depth, though, is concerning. Obviously, if the Lightning have another injury on the blue line, going to end up with two of Syracuse's top defensemen up with Tampa, and then Syracuse is just going to get the leftovers. Trevor Carrick is starting to come into his own again after being out with injury for a pretty long time there towards the middle of the season, and I think he's finally getting his stride back. He just hit 10 goals this season, and granted, I hate that we – judge defensemen on how many goals they score. But regardless, without many other metrics to rate them on, that's really what we have to look look at. He's definitely looking more confident out there within Syracuse's systems. And I think he is becoming the defenseman that we expected as fans all season long, which is amazing. I think that Carrick could be a really good key to how far Syracuse could go in the playoffs, especially with either Radish or Myers, depending on how it works out, recalled to the Lightning. Now, again, if another defenseman goes down, that's going to mess with what's going on in Syracuse. So hopefully that won't happen. On the forward side of things, the Crunch has been pretty lucky this season. The forward core has been relatively stable with more additions than subtractions. Stephen Stamkos... The Lightning's captain got hurt the other night in a game. Coach John Cooper has been on record as saying they think he's going to be okay. It looked like a leg injury. That brings back nightmares for both Crunch fans and Lightning fans, obviously. We all remember what happened within the organization when Stamkos broke his leg a couple years ago. It was really bad. I cringe just thinking about it, and the Lightning fan base, rightfully so, was distraught over the entire thing, and Stamkos was distraught over the the entire thing, and Crunch fans was distraught over the entire thing because, man, when your NHL team's super important captain forward goes down, it really messes with your roster as the NHL team then tries to find some kind of a fill-in to take that person's place. But of course, we all know that AHL players don't get the same type of usage as they do in the AHL, in the NHL, when they get recalled. So for those of you who are new to this, here's how this could play out. If Stamkos is out for any amount of time, I can guarantee, and actually I sort of put off recording this episode today because I was curious as to whether there was going to be a transaction, but I can pretty much guarantee that Barry Boulet is going to go up to the Lightning if necessary. And as I'm talking right now, I'm actually looking at the transaction page and there isn't anything yet. The Lightning do play today and usually they hold off posting transactions, I think until five o'clock because of cap reasons. But regardless, there isn't anything yet. If there is something, it's it's going to be Barre Boulay. There, that's that's a no-brainer. Out of everyone on Syracuse's forward core, he would be the one to get recalled. Currently, Barre Boulay is third in the entire American Hockey League in points with 67. He is only behind T.J. Tynan and Michael Car Sony Y'all know me. Sorry, uh, and they both have 68. So he is not that far behind them at all. In assists, he is also third behind TJ Tynan and a player that's been recalled. So technically he's in second because that player is no longer in consideration because he's not even in the American Hockey League right now. As far as the Syracuse Crunches roster goes, where he is there's, I mean, again, like there's really no contest here when it comes to this. He is first in the team in points with, again, 67. He is second on the team in goals with 19, only behind Simon Ryfors. And he is first on the team in assists with 48. I don't really think that the Lightning would call up Simon Ryfors. I guess in terms of where the team is, he could be a possibility. He might if the if the usage question comes into play. The Lightning could if they were feeling really really generous, leave Barry Boulay in Syracuse to, con- to continue to help the team stay in the playoff race and then call up someone like Gage Gon Salvace or Simon Ryfors, because we all know that Barry Boulay right now is playing on the top line with Syracuse. He's partnered up with Gabriel Dumont. The two of them look fantastic out there together. Everyone's been talking all season about how great the two of them look, and I honestly think more people in the league should be talking about it because they really do just play very well together they complement each other really really well so theoretically maybe the crunch could be like or there the lightning could be like okay we're gonna leave barry boulay in syracuse because he's on their top line he's been clicking really well a lot of syracuse's production has come from that first line we don't want to mess with it too much also barry boulay gets recalled to the nhl he will play probably on the 3rd or 4th line because that's how it works. He's not going to go up there and immediately step into Steven Stamkos's spot. He's going to play where it makes the most sense to play him and where it's not going to mess with the Lightning's chemistry that much by mixing up entire lines just to slot in an AHLer who the Lightning has recalled in the past and tried to get to stay and didn't work. And we all know the history there. So I guess if the lightning was really feeling like they wanted to give Syracuse the best chance at continuing this playoff hunt, if a recall is needed, they might consider leaving Barry Boulay in Syracuse and then recalling, like I said, either either Gonsalves, who is third on the team, or Ryfors, who is fourth on the team with assists. Over in the points, Ryfors is third on the team and in, in points and Goncalves is technically in fourth because Jamel Smith has that fourth place spot but he's probably not returning. I don't see a situation where he would come back. Usually when AHL players are loaned out like this, they don't return. So I'm going to go ahead and give Goncalves the fourth spot on the team in points with his 37 because I don't really think Smith is, is returning. And then over in goals, Simon Roy is again, first on the team with 20 and Gage Gonsalves is 11th on the team in nine, depending on what the lightning feel like they need, they could maybe turn to one of those younger players to fill that spot. It'll, it, it will depend on what they're seeing. So I really think, unfortunately, that the bigger piece of whether Syracuse will A stay in the playoff hunt because the North division is close, n- very close. And you know, right now Syracuse is solidly in the middle of the pack to make the playoffs in the north. But to stay there and then to look like a true playoff team going into that first round, it's a lot is going to depend on what happens with the Lightning and whether their players are able to stay healthy and whether Syracuse can withstand the storm of their players not staying healthy. I think that that's going to honestly be one of the bigger pieces that we're going to be look at, looking at when it comes to this. One team in the American Hockey League has already punched their playoff ticket, as unlikely as it seems, and that is Calgary over in the Pacific Division. So obviously that doesn't affect Syracuse at all because they're in the Western Conference, but it is interesting to note that that has happened. They're in, they're ready to go. Um, When it comes to how things work out in the playoffs, just as a reminder, or for those of you who are new to this, in the North Division, which is where Syracuse is situated as far as all of the other teams go, the top five teams make the playoffs. The North Division has seven teams total, so the top five make it. Right now, in third place, Syracuse is in a good spot. They, I, I, well, <laughs> I, I say that and then I laugh because that um, good spot currently means that if the playoffs started today, which thank God they don't, Syracuse would be finally getting the matchup that pundits and hockey analysts and commentators have been wanting for years now if the playoff started today according to where the standings currently are syracuse would be facing the utica comets with the comets having home ice advantage as they are currently in second place rochester and laval who are the two teams behind syracuse but still in playoff spots in fourth and fifth place respectively would play that weird little first round best of three scenario which, in my opinion, all teams should want to avoid because a best of three sucks. I hate it. I understand why the teams enjoy this larger field of competition. I understand that it it keeps more teams in the playoff picture longer, which therefore allows for more publicity and potentially having more more casual fans come through the door because it's playoff hockey and it's a different level. I get all of that, but I just don't like a best of 3. Obviously in a best of 3 scenario, you win 2 out of 3, you move on. With the AHL, there's again, there's so much outside of these teams control that to lose a game because your top player got recalled to your parent club and they aren't returned before your next game, you're already facing elimination. And it's just, there's just so much that are outside of the team's control that knowing that Syracuse is one slip away from being in that best of three situation, I don't know, it just doesn't sit well with me. But regardless, Syracuse is in good shape right now in third place not only are they in good shape right now in third place but they are not that far behind utica they're only two points behind the utica comets so anything can happen between now and the end of the season on the other end of things they are five points ahead of rochester and six points ahead of laval so even though syracuse is snug in third place a good place to be i really don't think the crunch unless they go on a 2007-8 run is going to be able to catch up to toronto toronto is currently in first place with 81 points i don't think syracuse is going to manage to put together enough solid wins in a row to be able to push into first place i think second place is definitely doable especially considering syracuse still has some games against utica Coming up, although Utica does have one game in hand over the Crunch, so they have played. um... Oh, nope, I take that back. Sorry, I was looking at games remaining and not games played. Sorry. So Syracuse actually has a game in hand over Utica. Syracuse has 16 games remaining where Utica has 15. So that's also to the Crunch's advantage. On the other side of things, Rochester has a game in hand over Syracuse, so they have 17 games remaining, and Syracuse has the 16. So there's going to be some jostling in the North Division between now and the end of the season. I think that that much can be said, if anything can be said, that is definitely going to happen there is going to be some jostling. And it would not surprise me if this current structure we have where Utica is in second, Syracuse is in third, Rochester is in fourth, and Laval is in fifth. It would not surprise me if that changed before the end of the season. Looking this the sixth and the seventh slot, we have Belleville with 57 points and Cleveland with 56. So you figure for that last playoff spot with Laval, they have 58 points. It is not, it is well within the range of possibility that Belleville and Cleveland could hit some really good luck, get some players that will make a difference back from their parent teams and be able to go on a really good run and be able to push themselves back into the playoff conversation. They're not that far out of it in comparison to everybody else. So, Out of every team in the North Division, Syracuse currently has the best previous 10 record. 7-2-1-0 is Syracuse's previous 10. That is the best out of any of the other teams in the North Division. So the Crunch does seem to be putting together some more consistency, especially considering they're still a team that is not that far above five hundred Right now, Syracuse is .571 with 28 wins 20 losses, 5 overtime losses, and 3 shootout losses. Uh, Those overtime losses and shootout losses kill me just a little bit because obviously if any of those would have gone the other way where Syracuse would have won, I think the team would be in a much more solid playoff position. But water under the bridge, right? You can't change it. It is what it is. Syracuse is pretty solid right now what will make the difference going down the stretch i honestly think more so than anything that happens with the crunch you know barring i'm not even going to say who could get injured and and what's going to happen because i can't take that level of bad juju right now so (laughs) anything else that happens with syracuse i don't think is going to affect the team as much as what might happen with the tampa bay lightning I've discussed some of the things that are outside of Syracuse's control. What the lightning does, what they don't do, what happens with injuries, none of that is really within Syracuse's control. What is within the Crunch's control is winning games. So what does the who is the team facing in the next couple of weeks? Weirdly enough, Syracuse is actually playing more atlantic division teams on the other side of the eastern conference than they are north division teams in the next couple of weeks or so when i had raw charge contributor lee wright on the podcast last time around he speculated that this might actually be really good for syracuse because they get to try out their systems and whatever adjustments they have made with recalls on a variety of different teams. And not only is it a variety of different teams, but the Atlantic division this year is a much more competitive division than the North division. In my opinion, when you look at the point totals, where, when you look at the spread right now, where everyone is very close together, And overall, their points as far as who is in the playoffs and who isn't are much higher than the teams in the North Division who are in the playoffs and who aren't. So I think that this could actually work to Syracuse's benefit, putting their game up against some pretty tough competition in these coming weeks with teams that – they don't normally see as often. Now on the other side of that just comes the simple fact that Syracuse won't be able to gain points on those teams that are around them in the standings in the North. So they will have to count on those teams losing games that the crunch has nothing to do with so that Syracuse can gain points and continue to stay in the playoff hunt and not fall behind it could also pan out that the tough competition from the atlantic division doesn't do syracuse any favors it will be interesting to see what happens so first up this wednesday march 15th syracuse heads into providence when i talk about how tough the atlantic division is right now this is what i mean providence is currently first in the atlantic with 76 points that is less than the 81 points that Toronto currently has in Syracuse, in Syracuse's division as the first-place team. However, right behind Providence in second place is Hershey with 75 points. Behind Toronto in the North division is Utica with 66. That's a pretty big spread between your first-place team and your second-place team in a division. So going back up to the Atlantic, their teams are all pretty close and their point totals are pretty high. So you have Providence with 76. Syracuse is playing them on Wednesday. On Friday, the Crunch swings by Bridgeport. They are currently 6th in the Atlantic Division with 62 points. Syracuse, 3rd in the North with 64. So, again, we see that really highly competitive Atlantic Division pop its head back out of the sand because, yes, Right now, you know, if you just look at where these teams are, sure, Bridgeport is out of the playoff picture. Currently, they are, they got their 62 points going on, but that's not that many less than Syracuse's 64. And Bridgeport has put together a fairly impressive previous 10 record with a 6-4 0-0 record. They are trending the right way. So Syracuse would be unwise to underestimate the type of game that Bridgeport is going to bring that night. Saturday, March 18th, Syracuse welcomes another Atlantic Division team into the War Memorial in the form of Wilkes-Barre-Scranton. Syracuse has done really well against Wilkes-Barre-Scranton this year, and Wilkes-Barre is struggling. Their previous 10, they are 2-6-2. and With 55 points, they have the lowest total in the Atlantic division. They're struggling right now. Syracuse could take advantage of this and be able to get two points, hopefully. I I think I would feel good if Syracuse came out of that competition between those three Atlantic teams. Honestly, I think I would feel good if they got a 3-3 and split. So if they won one game right out, lost another game in overtime or a shootout and then lost another game. I would feel pretty good about that if they came out of the, that series of three against the Atlantic Division with three points out of six. I'd feel good about that, especially since after those couple of games against Atlantic Division teams, the crunch lands itself right back in the North Division. On Tuesday, March 21st, which is a reschedule from the game that was canceled back towards the middle of the season because of weather, Syracuse heads into Rochester. Rochester is right behind Syracuse in the standings. And then Friday, March 24th, Syracuse heads over to Utica, who is right ahead of Syracuse in the standings as of right now. The week that Syracuse spends tooling around in the Atlantic division could make a difference in the standings, especially if Rochester and Utica are jostling back and forth with their games. So it'll be really interesting once this period is over with to see where everything shakes out. The final game of that next two weeks is another Atlantic division team on Saturday, March 25th. Hershey comes into Syracuse. Hershey, as I said, is currently second in the Atlantic Division. So another pretty big test for Syracuse that evening against one of the best teams in the American Hockey League right now. So it's going to be a tough two weeks, and I I really do think that a lot is going to change in the North Division, maybe even over these next two weeks, just looking at the schedule that everybody – is facing just for interest's sake, if we look over at Utica's schedule for the next couple of weeks, they're spending a lot of time against the North Division, much more than Syracuse's. So when we talk about how the North Division could change, this is a perfect example of one of one of the ways it could change. So Utica faces Lehigh Valley today. But that is the last time that they play a team that is not in the North Division for the remainder of the month. Syracuse plays Belleville once, Laval twice, Syracuse twice, and Rochester twice before the month is out. You want to talk about games that have potentials to swing and change the entire division, there's your series right there. I honestly think more so than Syracuse is against the Atlantic because these are the games. Utica is playing games for the next couple of weeks from now until the end of March that could really potentially majorly change the point totals in the North division and where everybody is. So it'll be very interesting to see how that swings out. On the other side of things, Rochester, is spending a little bit more time in the Atlantic. Their schedule is slightly more similar to Syracuse's. They see Wilkes-Barre. They see Hershey twice. Syracuse once. Utica once. Nope, I'm sorry. Utica twice. And then Cleveland twice. So again, Cleveland is a team really looking to climb up the North Division, and one of the best ways that they're going to be able to do that is by defeating North Division teams. Those two games against Rochester are going to be really promising to Cleveland to try to do what they need to do. So it's fascinating just to look at how different these three team schedules are between Utica, Syracuse, and Rochester, and really think about how much the North Division could change between now and the end of the month, depending on what the point totals end up being for each of these teams and who they get those points against. This is an exciting time in the American Hockey League. I both love and hate this time of year. It was really, really good to see the Crunch win Saturday night over Rochester. I honestly think because of weather and just being able to not go to home games, that was the first time I've seen the Crunch win a game at home in a good couple of weeks. And It was a great game to watch. Max Legacy was really, really playing well. Gabriel Dumont scored. And, you know, Dumont was out a couple of games because of some kind of personal thing going on. In the walk-up pictures, he looked really tired and not quite himself. So, you know, it was nice to see him score Saturday night. It was nice to see the way his teammates rallied around him when a Rochester player uh, elbowed him quite forcefully in the face. I believe it was an elbow. I actually didn't see what caused the event of Dumont on the ice laid out flat, but um, I, uh, it was not at all good. And it was really good to see Dumont come back from that non-call and score later on in the game and see how happy his teammates were for him, too. And overall, I think it was a very well-rounded game. Syracuse did let their emotions get the best of them, the officiating, which I very seldom complain about. But I will say that I was not super thrilled with the officiating Saturday night. And I think that the crunch especially Walcott let uh, their emotions get the best of them at times. But overall, I think Syracuse played a much more even-handed game, much more consistent game Saturday night than I've seen them play in a long time. That was really encouraging heading into this stretch where, as I said, everything could change in the north division by the end of this month or nothing could change the teams could continue the status quo and everything could stay the same it's going to be really interesting to see what happens and where this all goes I think that will do it for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. I'm open to interactions and feedback, so please feel free to get in touch with me over Twitter. My hockey Twitter is FPHcrunch, F-P-H-C-R-U-N-C-H, and my personal Twitter is A L L O V I M O. My personal Twitter is protected, but if you want to send me a follow request and I can see that you're a hockey person, I would be more than happy to go ahead and add you over there. Before we go, I'd also like to thank Purple Planet Music and Kevin McLeod for providing the royalty-free music heard in this episode. Keep taking care of each other out there in Crunchland, and I will see you next time.